Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast, host Jay Wilmington here, and today I'm joined by Dean Mears of Wentimo Kings Meadow Podcast, somebody I've spoken with in the past, uh, been a guest on your podcast, Dean, and uh, I've been really excited to have you join me, um, somebody that I've learned a lot about the Chelsea women team, somebody over in London that has, um, I, I, I respect how much time and effort and how much love you have for the women's team and, and your passion just bleeds through uh, so readily and it's, uh, you're, you are part of what I think is this really special community within the Chelsea women's fan club, um, obviously the, the club at large, but, but this women's team being really special. Uh, um, so you know, uh, I mentioned Dean went to Mo Kings Meadow. Dean also uh, has honestly Chelsea uh, on his his Substack. It's honestly Chelsea FCW. Uh, really great articles that you can subscribe for. Get them in your email inbox. Uh, I really like Dean's analysis. He's got great uh, thoughts outside of just kind of the insta insta reactions that we kind of see on Twitter and that sort of thing. So highly encourage you to find Dean there. So. I guess, uh, Dean, I, I've, I've done some of the introducing here, but uh, what, what, what else can I, what, how else can I introduce you here, my friend? I think you've um, ticked every single box, made me sound a lot better than I am. So uh, thank you for that. Oh, uh, that will... Thank you for inviting me on on your podcast this time. Absolutely. Well, well, like I say, I'm excited, I'm excited to have you, and I'm particularly excited about the timing of this because literally uh, I'm here in America, you're over uh, in the UK, and uh, tomorrow is the kickoff of the Euros, uh, England and Austria, the first, the first match of the tournament. Um, this has been a long time coming, delayed a year because of COVID, but I had actually kind of neglected to realize that the last women's Euro competition was in 2017, back when it was in, in, in Holland. And I, it just seems, it feels forever ago on the other side of the pandemic too. So just generally speaking, I mean, how excited are you? And then how excited do you feel kind of, you know, with it being hosted in the UK throughout uh, the UK, how excited is the country at large to, to be hosting this tournament? Yeah, I think when you're in the host cities where they're putting a lot of press and a lot of attention, um, Nike have done a series of posters on famous uh, British landmarks um, with the female players on, which has been great. Um, I think outside of the host cities is, is a bit quieter. Um, obviously, at the moment, Wimbledon is going on, so that has um, taken up a lot of media attention in the UK, uh, the tennis. Um, but yeah, I think once it, it gets going and people start seeing this full stadiums because most of the games are sold out, um, it's going to have a lot of buzz and obviously it helps when you're in the UK and it's being played in the UK, the, the timings are going to work out well for me uh, to watch games. So that's obviously a struggle for most Americans, either getting up early or staying up reasonably late to watch these matches. But yeah, I think there is excitement about it. I know recently Emma Hayes was in a toy shop in the UK um, that sells the sticker albums and she couldn't find the women's one, which obviously disappointing. I think while this is going to be the biggest tournament ever for women's football, there's so many missed opportunities, I think, still. So this will be a benchmark and then the next will be the World Cup after this. That will hopefully you know, smash the records that we're going to set for women's football with these Euros. I'm right there with you. I have a habit sometimes of taking conversations off into tangents far away from where we started. So I'll try to, I'll try to behave myself here. But to that point, you know, I think that's one of the things I'm the most excited about this particular tournament because it is hosted in England, because, you know, there's there's all the talk of how the, the sport was effectively banned or it couldn't be played in FA grounds for 50 years and how it took till, 
you know, just what was it uh, not not so long ago to to kind of really have this groundswell again of of a large countrywide support in the in the in one of the biggest countries for football, if not the biggest in the world, and. So there, and, and, and figures like Emma Hayes, like a Chelsea team, like, I mean, you, you know, I, I, I'm not going to highlight all these Man City players here on our Chelsea podcast, but there, there are so much English talent coming through and so much to be excited about, whether it's players, whether it's managers or just the game in general. And I, you know, that's one of the things I think is so cool. My hope here, and I, and I think this will be true for some is I hope that there's enough casual eyes on this tournament because of the excitement in general around it that a lot of people there in those stadiums get to see some of the talent from these clubs outside of England too. Because I think if you can start to see, you know, just hours ago, Alexia Pateas uh, tears her ACL and she's out of the tournament tomorrow. As I had Spain actually in the final. But, but that kind of, you know, this Spanish team who's full of these Barcelona players who have built so much over the last few years, this French team with all of this talent um, and a player like Katoto who scored all the goals she has at just 23 years old. Uh, to me, that's how you get a bigger, wider, uh, passionate base than just even an international fandom, but to start to really get people following the Champions League or follow clubs even in, yeah, hopefully in the WSL, but also throughout Europe. Um, and so again, uh, time will tell, but that is what I think now there's just, that's my hope. There's so much talent. There's going to be, in my belief, parity in this tournament. Um, I, I Obviously with the host country maybe being the favorite or at least having a very excellent chance to win. I, I, there's just like all these ingredients coming together to bake this really awesome platter that is this Euros. Um, and again, we're reminded just today, as I said, with Pateas tearing her ACL, how all that sort of is in theory. None of it's happened yet. But um, I, I am just, I am so excited. Um, but 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 to not stray too far off the Chelsea side of it, one thing I thought, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the players, but before we get all the way into the Euros, we had another signing today, Dean. So I don't know if you've gotten to do, do much looking into, into our newest it looks like you know kind of left-sided wing back attacking midfielder at times player from West Ham the Czech player um Svitkova um I was just watching actually some of her player tape here before we got on but uh, any any immediate thoughts there on her signing today yeah it's one that was talked about a, a while ago it seems to have taken a while for these deals um, to come off obviously Chelsea have announced two before this one before but this one was obviously one of the first to come out into the public that Chelsea were interested in, in Svitkova and she was potentially joined on the free from West Ham. Um, what I think she does do is raise the quality of the squad depth. Um, obviously, we've lost Drew Spence um, the end of her contract. She's gone to Tottenham. Um, to me, this is her replacement. You know, someone that maybe is not one of the starting players every week, but when you've got a Champions League game on a Thursday and then you're playing on the Sunday, you need to rotate players. And I think she brings the quality of that up and. As you said, she plays in several positions and we all know that Emma Hayes absolutely loves players that can play um, in, in multiple positions. I think given her attacking midfield aspect of her, I could see her in a pivot with Erin Cuthbert um, when we're playing against some of these teams in the WSL where you have all the ball and you've got to try and break down you know, the banks of four and five that are blocking the goal. You're allowing yourself to take the handbrake off the team and, and maybe push them forward a bit more and I think that's something we struggled with, especially having you know someone like Sophie Ingle on the pitch whose role is effectively to block off counter attacks and you know help the defence. We can release that now um, with someone like Svitkova. So you know she maybe not set the world like the WSL for West Ham, but obviously she's playing for West Ham, so it's difficult to. But 
I think definitely she's one that raises the, the quality and when she comes in for better coaching, uh, playing with better players, her level should raise and we we'll, should see a very good player in the squad and when we're going to be chasing the Champions League next season, obviously, uh, that's what you need to compete on multiple fronts. Yeah, I think that's so well said. And, and one thing I'll talk to you a little bit about here um, in this podcast is kind of that the, the fighting these two different fronts, because obviously that you, you're, you're playing in multiple competitions, regardless, men, women, where you are in Europe. But I find it really interesting, these teams at the top of the WSL and sort of the, the, the there really are two totally different fronts, it seems, to fighting that, that league for that domestic title and then kind of keeping up with the Joneses at large throughout the European competition. And so, I, yeah, the, the depth, especially for these top clubs that are playing these this amount of matches, is so important. And, and so, you know, I think she's somebody we'll come to be familiar with quickly, but I, I am with you. I think that's well said that may not be a player like uh, Kadisha Buchanan who comes in and, and we expect to see become kind of, what I expect is, you know, obviously be a centerpiece of the team, although with Magda and, and Millie, it's not exactly like you just walk right into that. So, you know, you know, thinking a little bit about her, Kadisha Buchanan, uh, you know, big, big signing for Chelsea. I think she was, was she slightly before. I think she was she was right after Eve. Is that correct? But, you know, coming in from Lyon with the, the Champions League winning pedigree, uh, a big international career with Canada um, and and. Somebody that I'm really excited to have part of the club from a from a personality standpoint. I you know I'm sure you've been watching some of this. Um, oh my gosh, it's it's blank. I'm blanking on the name. The 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 YouTube series that's focused on the Chelsea women uh, uh, team here. But I these personalities. This team is so cool. I and I think they talk a lot of teams talk about sort of the blending of not just the talent on the field, but the profiles of the character in the locker room. And maybe it's just me having blue tinted glasses, but I really see that with this team, with the, with what they have built in the locker room with Emma Hayes right at the top and her personality leading that way and her wanting a very specific type of person within the locker room, not just a skill set on the field. Uh, and, and I think Buchanan's going to be a huge part of that. Um, um, but anyway, what are, what are your thoughts on her? Yeah, just to touch on what you were saying about the personalities in, in the documentary, you see it quite clearly with Ramona Backman, who is a world-class attacking player that just doesn't fit that squad um, and that style of management from Emma Hayes. And she takes her out and she brings in Pernilla Harder. And you, obviously you don't really see this in the documentary, but you see the harmony of the squad is so much better with Harder than it is with Backman. Um, and they're both equally as good players. Um, Cannon, obviously a Canadian international, we know through Jesse Fleming, um, there's already a link in the squad there. Um, the signing actually took me a bit by surprise because defensively wasn't an area I think we were going to strengthen um, in the central defensive partnership anyway. Uh, when you, like you said, we've got Millie Brighton, Magda Eriksson, uh, Jess Carter's had a fantastic season. It's coming on leaps and bounds. But I think to go back to the documentary, I think it links quite nicely. You know, the the big quote the whole way through it is what got us here won't get us there, and Emma Hayes needs to win a Champions League trophy. Um, to cement her her legacy really in the game, not with Chelsea as such, but there's all talk of her being you know one of the best female coaches ever. And I, it, the Champions League is missing, you know it it stands out, but she hasn't won it. And although she got to the final, we were humiliated by Barcelona, um, which obviously not too much shame in that how good they were or, or still are. Um, but it's the monkey needs to her back. He's winning that and. Bringing in the player of that caliber is going to help close that gap 
from us to Lyon to Barcelona and the ever-expanding list of top teams in Europe because the competition's getting stronger and it's good to see us keeping up. Yeah, and I think it'll continue to breed. I, I, I agree, and, you know, Nowen was also maybe took a little while to get her feet settled at center-back position but started to seem a little more comfortable at the club. So I did. I thought maybe we'd see some of that, you know, some, some like, Par- you know, Paris that didn't surprise me so much because I think the wingback side of things we could use, or, you know, whether we're going to play fullbacks, wingbacks, we could use a little more depth there on the on the flanks. But yeah, like you, I think if anything, it's that is going to be a competitive uh, dressing room to get into those two center back spots. If you've got, you know, a healthy, bright Erickson Buchanan and then, uh, you know, uh, again, you but you also talked about the depth earlier of, you know, playing multiple matches and not just looking at trying to put players out once at once a week, but expecting two, three matches a week. And obviously, you know, not not that there's the same number of competitions in, in the women's FA Cup or the League Cup, but there's still Chelsea's always in the finals of all of these competitions. So, uh, you know, again, I. it's so well said and then you know the other part of me that that I thought about a lot in that documentary was Emma Hayes talking about winning breeding winning and and this just insatiable thirst to be on top and ah man I you know that Barcelona match still stings me a lot I'm sure it does you and so I can only imagine what it is in her and that was you know even reaching that that pinnacle of to reach the Champions League final was was a massive success and she you know the team and Emma Hayes came overcame demons from their past to make it to that point and and yet you just know with her that's not gonna be sort of a well all right I feel pretty good about it I did have pretty pretty good success like you said she wants to be at the very top to be remembered as as a as one of the best to ever do it and I think that yeah we'd build her a statue right now uh, at Chelsea but that's she she wants things bigger than to just be appreciated at Chelsea and that's one of the things I that that I you know love her for so all right, so fi- so finally here, I appreciate appreciate your commentary. Last one would be would be even and help me here with my American gringo trying to have my French pronunciation pretty poor. So is it is it Paraset? Is that right? Would you say Paraset? What's what's the correct? For, I'll leave I'll leave it to the England guy for the French pronunciation. Oh, this is not my strongest suit, but I, I believe you say Paraset. Okay, perfect. In, That's what we'll say. Yeah. You and I. All right, good. Um, yeah. yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts there? Because I thought that maybe fit a tri- a little bit more traditionally with the player profile that we were looking to bring in this summer. Um, you know, as opposed to what we just said about Buchanan was kind of a strength on top of strength. Um, Paris seemed a little bit more of a of a signing here that really kind of fit player profile and what we what we were what we lacking a bit of right now. Yeah. Well, the the big criticism of Chelsea's transfer dealings following the Champions League defeat was that they didn't sign any fullbacks and that was the area that Barcelona exploited um, with relative ease and they didn't sign anyone obviously she switched to the three at the back anyway um, so we had winbacks um, it's brought out the best of, of Guru Wrighton uh, Aaron Cuthbert did very well at the start of last season and then obviously switched into midfield once uh, Lupoz was out with obviously being pregnant um, and then we've seen Neve Charles play the for a while, we've seen Jess Carter go there against Lauren Hempen do very well. Um, but I think there was, you know, there was a need still to sign somebody. Um, and Perisay can play both sides, which is another important trait to Emma Hayes that she can play on the left or the right. Um, a position we need strengthening. A player that I actually think is going to surprise a few people just how good she is. Um, she's played with some of the best teams in in France, and she's gone out and got you know lots of game time recently. Um, and we sign a, a player, I think, and 
another one like Spitkova that's going to raise the profile of the squad. Um, it forces you know the likes of Neve Charles to step up again. So she's had a good start to her Chelsea career, but now there's another challenge to her in game time. So can she stay with that level? And that's you know, Emma Hayes' biggest thing, you know, having this competition between the players. She said in the documentary, we keep coming back to it, but it was so fascinating. Um, she likes a bit of tension in the squad. And this signing does that. Um, and as we said before, you know, we want to keep raising the quality of the squad up and up and up. So when we're competing on all fronts, we've got quality to you know, avoid losing to Brighton or Reading. Yeah, those crucial points that just you know when you're when you're getting so late into the season, you got match after match, and they all you're looking at the at that WSL table, thinking, all right, it's four weeks till Arsenal, we're good till then, and then start to think, maybe I don't know, man, it's getting to be a grind. Those results aren't quite pulling it. to have some some freshness of real quality to be able to put back into your squad, and not just that, but I would think you know the challenge of having a player like Charles in in training, having to work to, to against that competition and to constantly earn that spot week after week. I just think it's like. That's that's hard to do as a manager. One of the things again, I'm always singing Emma pra- Emma Hayes's praises, but you know, to, to to kind of like constantly say to your group, look, I'm here to challenge you and to make you uncomfortable. And the second you think you're, you know, I don't want you. At the same time, the loyalty, the love, the belief in how much they're cared for personally, that's like a tough tough tightrope to walk and I think she does it as impressively as I've seen in a professional locker room. So um, again, I have I have full belief that all of these signings will be really well integrated into the squad. And so, you know, with that, I actually had, I, I, I've seen so many kind of run-throughs on the Euros and kind of going the traditional kind of group A through D, but because I kind of want to save England for last here because it's the most Chelsea players to talk about and the host country and your country, I, I decided just to go back with group D first. So I know that really throws a, a cake, really wild, wild stuff here. But I, Looking at that at that group D, um, as we go in, and we got Belgium, France, Iceland, and Italy. Um, again, we were just talking about Eve Eve Perisse, the the Chelsea player, the the sole Chelsea player in that group D. Um, you know, I would imagine you know France kind of be the probably the the group favorite there. But I think one of the things that's so fascinating to me about this tournament is that almost group by group, you could really make a case for the team that I might predict to win the group to not win the get out of the group stage maybe not in this group but what do you think what do you who do you see finishing first and then you know second and making it through from that group d yeah i think um you you have to say once um just given their strength in their squad um i mean the other nations are sort of more up and coming then france are more a bit more established so you would expect france to win um as we've seen in big tournaments, that anything can happen. Um, something can throw a squad off completely. Um, an argument between a player, disagreement with a coach, um, anything like that can happen. So um, we're expecting France, but we'll see what happens. Um, in terms of the others, um, you know, the women's football game in Italy has grown very quickly. Um, Juventus obviously had a strong Champions League, got out of the group that we was in. Um, Clubs like Roma, AC Milan, um, are really investing as well. So their their players are getting you know more competitive matches and they're growing um, year by year. Um, Belgium are another one similar. Um, a lot of people tipping them to be a dark horse. Um, so yep, absolutely, you know, they could they could um, take the second place in in that group. Um, yeah, that one is probably the most 
sort of interesting out of the top teams yep. when you look at the next nation coming through that's probably the group but uh, go france belgium yeah i think that's i think that's really good in fact i've seen some folks have belgium kind of be in their dark horse for this tournament and you know you, you mentioned it about that italian team kind of up and coming if you go through and kind of look at that squad for that italian team it's kind of like a who's who of the Serie A femenini and i that's not a league i get to see a lot of and so but but i you know as you watch the teams within that league there's a lot of growth there right now and so it's sort of again like you, you're looking through and it's like all it's juventus inter uh you know empoli uh milan and just it's it, it's really interesting to me because again it's one of those teams that i think it's cool to see this this league sort of be you know, not not necessarily an all-star team of the league, but it's still pretty dominated by Italian players, and so it, it I think it's a fascinating time to see this Italian team, and are they kind of ready, not only just as a league, but is it'll I don't know it'll tell me something about that league. Are the are where where are they really kind of in comparison, particularly with France? But that's why I think their matchup with Belgium will be so interesting as well, because I think that you know, Belgian group's pretty well respected. Um, yeah, I, I, again, and I think France, the, the, the runaway there, but I could honestly see any of those other three teams coming in second. Um, and then moving on to group C, uh, you know, again, we've got the Dutch, the Swedes, Portugal, and Switzerland. I would imagine, you know, I, I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm Dutch American, so I'm a, I'm a Dutch fan. So I'm always rooting for the Dutch, which is a little strange for me because as a Chelsea fan, I'm, I, I root for Vivian Miedema. I, I can't say that too loud uh, in, during international duty, and I'm about her biggest, let's say, non-supporter during the league play. So that's always a little conflicting for me. But um, anyway, that, I that's one of the reasons I want Chelsea to keep signing Dutch players, so I don't have to have this confliction. But anyway, I I think they're really good. But um, some partly the cynic in me, the one who gets a little like I I I don't have a feeling that this is their time. I think that uh, I you know. I've, a lot of people picking them to make the final or be there and thereabouts. I think that Sweden teams, you know, the team to come out of here, I think it's possible the Dutch will win this group and Sweden finish second, but I think it's more likely that Sweden gets to the final than I do the Dutch in this particular instance. Um, what say you? Uh, this tournament for me is Sweden's. I think they're building up to this crescendo of actually, you know, crossing that line in, in first place. After a couple of near misses, um, the squad they put together is ridiculously talented, but they've also played together for a number of years. Um, so for me, I, I'm back in Sweden to win the tournament, win this group, um, the Dutch team in second. Um, like you said, they've got a game winner in Miedema, um, and that changes things at this, you know, at this juncture of women's football. Sometimes you just need the one game changer. Um but if you look at that Swedish team, it's just stacked with so many great players um, and a few Chelsea ones as well, which is also a bonus. Um, I don't know much about the Switzerland team. Obviously, they've got uh, Backman, who we know. Um, but I think Portugal are an interesting team as well. Like the teams we mentioned in Group D, they're another one um, that the nations are starting to you know, invest finally in the women's game and they're seeing the benefits of it. Um, I think you're at a juncture now where if you miss the boat now in investing in your club and in your international side as well, you're really going to miss miss that ship's going to sail. So I think they're doing it at the right time. But obviously, as a Dutch fan, you're going to go with the Dutch. But for me, I can't look past Sweden given everything that they've gone through together. Um, for me, they're the most experienced team going into this tournament. And 
um, should be favorites. Yeah, and quick shout out to our mutual friend Mia Erickson. I know she's going to be. I, I will be. I'll be watching her reactions throughout this tournament closely because I know that uh, this is the time. It's like kind of all coming together for them, and I just think. And, and of course, with with um, several Chelsea players on the team, that's that's not something I complain too much about. And and like I say, as much as I I love the Dutch, there's just a part of me here that really does like you feel like this is this is Sweden's time. Um, I, that's why I it. Sweden and England, they can make the final, or that be semifinal. I, I had to redo my my predictions today after this Pateas's injury for Spain. I, I I'm not even sure if they'll get out of the group now, but I I think Sweden and not to steal my own thunder, but England are are I would love to see them either in the semi or the final. As long as a Chelsea player wins the tournament, absolutely, um, that is my main concern. Absolutely. Uh, and and getting another Chelsea player that should have a should have a really interesting group is Pernilla Harder with Denmark. Uh, she's in Group B. Her Dane team is there along with Finland, Germany, and Spain. And so this has kind of been called that de facto group of death, so to speak. Um, you know, it's amazing to have a player of Pernilla's quality and on a team as good as Denmark is, and to be sort of favored to not get out of your group, so to speak. I'll be very interested to see this group because I think it has the most. Uh, I've seen I've seen Germany be predicted to win the tournament. I've seen them be predicted to not get out of this group. I've seen the same for Spain. Um, I think there's all kinds of potential finishes for Denmark. So, um, I again for for the Pernilla Harder fan and me for for I will be really hoping to see the 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 Danes make it out of this group. But I still think I think now with with Pateas's injury that I, that's uh, I've made a note of it multiple times a day. I think she is so almost as important to any international team as any player you could find in this tournament. Miedema for Netherlands right there as well. Um, but but I think that could be the tipping point between Germany finishing first and Denmark potentially finishing second in the group and getting out. I'll still stick with Spain as my team second. Germany won Spain too, but I'm, I'm getting a little bit chalky here, so to speak. So if I, I you know, I should probably mix it up a little and say, and say Denmark. Yeah, this is obviously, as you said, the group of death. Um, but that, Today, what happened, as we mentioned several times, Pateas, what that impact that has on Spain, because obviously the best player in the world right now, um, to lose her, not just to a, a small injury to an ACL um, in, in training, um, what effect is that going to have on their players um, as they go into this tournament now? Because they're going to have to step up and, and you know cover for her. Um, you know, Spain have been on a lot of people's lips because of what Barcelona have achieved, and obviously the Spanish squad is basically yeah. Barcelona yep. with a few, few extra pieces. Um, but they've never really done it together. I don't think so. This is a big test for them, and being drawn in that group, don't think helps them. As you said, Germany are a good team. Denmark as well with great players, and Finland are going to be no pushovers either. They're not going to just take massive defeats. I don't think they're going to put good performances in um i'm gonna go with Penilla harder getting denmark to the top of the group and germany are gonna take the second spot from spain who are gonna fall apart following this injury yeah and i i'm with you no and no like no man, i feel bad like i'm just dumping dumping on spain's grave here today because uh, i am terribly sad about potatoes injury as much as she's been a nightmare for Chelsea at times I, I that isn't somebody that is a joy to watch and you said it right there I think more so than even you know a, any key side here that's going to be competing for potentially the Europe the Euro championship you know 
losing their best player would be devastating right now, right before. But but specific to her, I think it's the worst case scenario because just what you said, it's kind of almost Barcelona club team, and she is the heart and soul of that team. So in a way that you know when you bring international players together, you know sometimes maybe Messi's importance isn't the same for Argentina as it was for Barcelona, but hers is. It's like the same team, so she is equally as important. And they already, if any, you know their big issue has sort of been like, well, Barcelona's best scorers aren't really from Spain. So, you know, it, it's the finishing we're not sure about. And now you take out that engine, the heart and soul of that team, the creative creativity. I, that's a lot, man. You were trying to build some confidence for those attacking players who hadn't done it before. And now they've got to do it without their heart and soul behind them. I, yeah. I just, again, not to just keep piling on here, but I, I, I think that would, would, is enough for me to say, yeah, I think Germany won and Denmark two. And you say Denmark won, Germany two. It's just amazing to me to be sitting here and both of us talking about Spain not getting out of the group because, at least for me, that wouldn't have been the case when I woke up this morning. Um, so just, again, hopefully by doing this just one day before the tournament, we won't have a whole bunch more of these before we kick off tomorrow, but it's just the nature of, of, tra- of, of, of the sport, you know, it's just dealing with that, we're dealing with injuries and, you know, we won't turn the conversation to the amount of matches all these athletes are playing and, and the toll it takes on their bodies. We won't, we'll have that discussion another time, but um, yeah, it's certainly, certainly as a neutral fan, it, it, it disappointing, but, um, and then finally we'll move on to group a, the one with the most Chelsea players represented also the host country, England, and kind of the one where I think there'll just kind of be generally the most eyes on. It's the first match of the tournament tomorrow, Austria, England. And so England is host surely favored to win that group a, but you know, I, I'm so excited to see that particularly them against Norway, uh, to see, um, you know, see Chelsea on Chelsea. Uh, I really want to, I don't know. I, I love Guru Wright, and she's one of my favorite players for Chelsea, and, and I'd really like to see her have an impact this tournament. But, you know, with with Ada Hedeberg's return to the country, that obviously gets a lot of headlines, but she's not exactly kind of this, like, I know one thing that stands out to me with her return to playing for Norway is she's not quite as, like, separated herself from a talent like she used to because there's so many good players for Norway. And so in a very positive way, maybe she can take all those eyes and attention, but really, like, they've got some real you know, gunpowder besides her that I think is set to, to get lit off this tournament. So um, is Norway, the, I, I imagine you'd say that, you know, is England the favorite or am I, am I off off on that? And and do you have Norway too? Or do you think that that Austria team, no disrespect to Northern Ireland, can, could be, you know, could, could really set things, uh, to kind of turn things upside down right from the get-go tomorrow against England? Yeah, well, it's the England versus Norway game, I think is going to decide the group. Um as you mentioned, uh, Hedeberg coming back, I think that's such a positive for Norway and the rest of the Norwegian players because she can shoulder the, the media focus, the attention. is all going to be on her, what she does. It allows the other players to relax into the tournament, to play the natural game. And, you know, like you say, Shine, and you know, we know what right, uh, Guru Ratan's capable of. And if she's feeling free and refreshed to be able to do that, and someone else is taking the pressure of that, you know, their nation that's going to help them perform, I think. And for England, you know, they're going to have all the pressure on them for this tournament, mainly because of what happened with the men's Euros last year, with them getting through to the final on home soil and everything that went with that tournament. I think there's there's been a bit of an expectation in the country that the women's team are going to follow that path. And to be honest, I, I don't know where they're at in terms of their overall finishing point. 
Um, they had a great game against the Duck recently in a friendly. Obviously not at full strength, so you don't want to take too much into it, but to score four goals against them uh, obviously gives them a great boost going into this tournament. England have got some amazing world-class players. You know, Lauren Hemp is probably the most informed England player right now alongside Beth Mead. Um, I think they need to find their goal scorer, um, whether that's Alessia Russo, Beth in England or Ellen White eventually. Um, I think that's the, the big thing that Serena Wegman needs to to find. And hopefully she's already found it because the tournament starts tomorrow. Um, so yeah, it'd be a good, good time to find that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, now's probably the best time. Um, tomorrow, you just about get away with it. But who she picks, I think, up front is going to be interesting. Um, I think we've seen sort of one to ten of her team in the friendlies. It's that you know that final piece for the, of the jigsaw is going to really decide how well they can do. Um, I think it'll be. I'm going to go with England one, Norway two. Um, I don't see Northern Ireland getting any points. Um, Austria will probably pick up three against Northern Ireland, and that'll be it. Yeah, I think I think you're pretty much right there. Do you do you think so? It sounds like both you and I have a pretty similar kind of you know quarterfinal type group, and then. Um, you know, especially I think with Spain, maybe since, you know, that was one I didn't know, but I think we're kind of on the same page about with not being there. Um, you know, we, we said it sounded like we, I, I mean, I, I still kind of have France probably, oh, it's still a little hard for me to say, because again, in some of these, in some of these groups, I think the second, the, the team that may finish second could be favored over the team that finished first in, in, in the quarterfinal. But I, to some, to some degree, I still think it, it's kind of a, it, Again, Netherlands feels a little bit just on the outside for me, but I, I'm kind of there right there with Sweden. Uh, I would say Sweden, England, and probably France. Uh, I, I still think that I'm a little bit unsure of what I'm gonna what we're gonna see out of France, and I'm not really sure we're gonna see what France is until they get out of that group. Um, just because I I don't I think they may have the easiest path through, but. I, you know, I don't know. For some reason, to me, I just keep circling back. No matter how many times I come back and look at this differently, I keep circling back on England, and I keep coming back to Sweden. And so, I, I just, I really believe we're going to see either, you know, one of our two central defenders standing there holding the holding the trophy here when we get done with this tournament, and in Mag Derrickson with Sweden or or Millie Bright with England. So, um, I, you know, again, I it sounds like you know you're you. Is that kind of what you're feeling, or do you think it's? I mean, do you, from what I've heard you say, maybe Sweden a whole step tier above where England might be as far as the favorite. Uh, I wouldn't say they're they're a, they're a step above. I mean, if you look at cl- like club football, um, you've got Lyon and you've got Barcelona, and they're clear of any other team in Europe. Then you've got Wolfsburg, Chelsea, Bayern Munich, PSG. You know, you've got that next layer there, trying to step up. I don't think that's the case with this Euro. I think there's, you know, the teams we've talked about are all sort of a similar level. I think Sweden just have more experience in in big finals and big games that's going to help them uh, in this tournament. Um, You know, England are going to play one of Denmark, Germany or Spain in the quarterfinal. Um, One of those um, in the semifinal, I guess, I wouldn't see Norway getting past any of those three teams. So that's an incredibly tough route to get to a final and then to face probably Sweden, potentially the Netherlands, potentially France. It's three 
really, really tough games. And it's not an easy route for England. And I'm not, I don't support England, even though I'm from England. Um, we have a bit of a weird relationship with our national team where we support the players that play for Chelsea. Um, and that's it. Oh, you and I um, can talk about my draw. relationship with the American men's national team sometime. I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I enjoy watching Lauren Hemp play for England, um, less so for Man City. Um, but if England don't win the Euros, um, I feel upset for the, the England players. But if it's Magdalene Eriksson to Chiromusovic um, on the other side of that, then I'm equally as delighted for them. Um I have my bet. My bets are spread in the tournament because I'm just following the players that play for Chelsea. Um, I I can't. I'm I'm back in Sweden, so I think I'm assuming they're going to get to the final. The other side of the draw, I really could not pick what team that's going to be facing them. Um, if I went with the way I predicted it, England are going to play Germany in the quarter final. Um, I don't know if they get past them. Yeah. And then Denmark would play Austria. So they played Denmark in the semi final. Um, and that's assuming Spain are not getting out of the group. Right. Um, well, that's so the thing, man. Germany really yeah. could win this tournament. And here ridiculous. I, you know, like I said, I think I'd have woke up this morning picking them second, maybe third in that group. And now it's like, I don't know, maybe they're going to win the whole thing. I, that's, again, I sound like I'm doing some waffling here, which I am. But also, I think that in part, at least for me, speaks to how excited I am to watch this tournament because I don't think I'm about to watch something that's just sort of like, yep, yeah, pretty much what we all expected. I think there's going to be. I think there's going to be a breakout team, a la the Italy, Portugal, somebody, Iceland, somebody in the in the two. We have hard, barely spent any time talking about here. That's going to look really impressive and get out of a group. I think we'll probably see one of these top teams fall off just from the sheer nature of they almost have to with the number of quality teams in in the groups. Uh, so you know, there's going to be some real drama, but also I think some a lot of unpredictability too, and yet. Sometimes I think in tournament-based, you know, competitions, you sacrifice if you get if you get upsets which are exciting early in the tournament, then you sort of sacrifice the quality of the later stages, at least in theory, because you have teams that are huge underdogs against major favorites later on. I think we could have both in this tournament. I think we could have lots of exciting upset type matches while also not compromising the incredible parity towards this semifinals and finals of this tournament, which I just think is unique and, and not something that you see in a lot of sporting competitions and, and, and I think, I think we will here. So, um, you know, that, that is really exciting to me. Um, well, I get you out of here on this, just kind of, kind of one more thing specific to, you know, Dean, I appreciate you so much coming on and, and, and talking about this. I really hope that we can kind of get back together sometime after the Euros and talk and kind of see how all this went. And hopefully we're not talking about four more major ACL tears. Cause this has been a brutal 12 months for, particularly female soccer superstars, um, with, with knee injuries. Um, you know, but so, so just stepping one step beyond euros, you know, for the women, it's really interesting. Um, the, that Chelsea will be back coming on their preseason tour back to America following this. And so, uh, I know they will be in Portland. Um, and I, and I can't, I think they're making one, uh, maybe one other stop as well. Anything that you, uh, you know, uh, would like to see kind of out of, out of, the time between the end of the Euros and getting into the, into the season. I mean, it, you know, it's not unusual for these teams to be having big international competitions and also then having to jumpstart into preparation for a big club season. But, you know, that's where Chelsea will, will be. And I generally think on summer tours, 
All I care about is no injuries. I want to see a healthy squad when we come back and we get started in real training for preseason. Is are you is that there anything else that you know you, you want to see from the club Chelsea specific other than just staying healthy through these competitions before the season? Any you know we've made a few signings, obviously a lot more aggressive on that side than you know. Do don't turn over to the the men to the Twitter men's transfer world because that is like people are losing their minds right now that that the men haven't made a signing three weeks after changing leadership. But anyway, I I. Things seem to be staying in a really positive direction here. Not a lot to complain about. Um, but any any final thoughts for the team or hopes you have for the team leading leading up into next season? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like you, this preseason is about the staying injury free. I hope I'm hoping that the pitches are of good quality. I mean, Chelsea's men's team had a bad experience in the US a couple of seasons ago with a couple of uh, injuries to Hudson Odoi and uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. So hopefully, there's no repeat like that. Um, just interested to see what, what how she puts the team up because you know last preseason um, we played Rangers in Scotland and we saw the three at the back and it sort of was a precursor to what was to come. I mean, because of the Olympics, she had hardly any of her players available to her until the Arsenal game, uh, which obviously we lost on the opening day. But we saw in that game that this is what she's going to try and do. So it's going to be interesting for me tactically um, how she sets the team up. Um, what we do in Europe next season is huge and the big thing in the defeat to Wolfsburg was the way the midfield got overrun and the, the pivot could not cope with what Wolfsburg were doing um, with especially Lena Oberdorf and Svenja Hoof um, basically taking turns to either be at the top of the diamond or being at the base of a diamond uh, we just got overrun so if she's going to make a change in Europe it's going to be in midfield and can she do that in pre-season um, obviously Cuthbert's not gone to the Euros Sophie Ingle's not gone to the Euros uh, Svitkova's not gone to the Euros so the midfield that we've got at the moment is there um, how are they going to play is that's going to be for me what I'm going to be looking at um, the results are irrelevant I think when they went to France a couple of seasons ago they got absolutely demolished in every game and that season they made the Champions League final or was that the season before yeah, I think that was the. I think that was the summer they reached the final before. Yep. Yeah. So, I don't take notice of the results, but if what she what she does with the team tactically is what I'm going to look at um, when I watch the games um, later in the day. Because there's no way I'm going to get up as early as you guys get up to watch the team. Yeah, especially well, for a friendly. It's it. I gotta say, it has it has reshaped my whole life because it, my Fridays are now my earliest nights I go to bed, and my Saturdays are my earliest days. But it's also, I don't know. I've made I, I do less drinking and and more uh, watching football. So it's probably it's probably best for my health anyway. Um, but I I am excited. The good news, the nice thing for me is, I think my wake up time tomorrow uh, for at least for the first match of the of the Euros for the England game I think isn't until let's see yeah our, the nice part is with all those evening games for Euros or at least a lot of them I it's 1 p.m. kickoff tomorrow for me so this will actually work out pretty pretty well. Um, I'm really looking forward to diving into this tournament. I'm sure I'll be bugging you, sending you messages on Twitter about it or whatever. But um, I, I again can't thank you enough for making the time, stopping by, um, dealing, yeah, you know, putting up with the time change here to, to get to get in touch with me, and uh, you know, again, sharing your expertise on all things Chelsea women and 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 the Euros as well. So, Dean, uh, again, thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, it's my pleasure. Um, it's nice not to have to. Put too much work into planning uh, the episode for a change. Um, 
and just sitting back and let someone else do the work. But it definitely, if Sweden win the tournament and I'll be back after the Euros to um, tell you I was right, and if they don't, <laughs> we'll wait till perfect season. <laughs> then I'll be the one calling you, I guess. No, I uh, exactly. I and for those of you folks here, as I as we sign off again, please check out Dean Mears. He can be found on Went to Mo Kings Meadow, which is a fantastic Chelsea Women podcast. They've got an excellent Twitter feed as well. Lots of engagement. Um, one of my favorite Twitter follows, and then also for Dean Substack. Um, honestly, Chelsea Women, Chelsea FCW. Uh, it's such a it, again one of my favorite reads when I get it in my inbox. It's a nice surprise, and I, I, I it's just some always always great thoughts in there. So. Again, uh, thanks thanks for Dean and check him out. And uh, until next time, this has been your host, Jay Wilmington, signing off here from We Ain't Got No Podcast. Take care.